Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, August 16th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces, and you'll hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hello. Thank you for joining us. A lot going on in the world of MMA. We'll start off with some good news, some personal news. Uh, For the first time in almost two weeks... I don't have COVID anymore. Woke up this morning, took a test, negative for the first time in a long time. And I am very excited to sort of get back to normal life. It has been horrible. I've been pretty much locked in my kid's bedroom for like two weeks, unless I'm in the command center. And it's been rough. I haven't been able to go to the gym in over a week. It's been driving me crazy. But now we are negative, finally, and now we can sort of slowly get back into regular life. I'm drinking a Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee for the first time in almost two weeks, and it is an amazing thing. It tastes delicious. It tastes absolutely delicious. It's refreshing. Oh, yeah. That's just good stuff right there. So, But let's talk some MMA, everybody. We could talk about UFC San Diego. Fun event that ended up turning out to be. Marlon Vera gets a massive win, a nasty knockout of two-time former Bantamweight champion Dominic Cruz. We had a fight of the year contender in the co-made event. We had arguably the best fight with two debuting fighters maybe ever in the UFC. The Battle of the Yasmins. It was just a fun card. And then, of course... We are on the road to UFC 278, which goes down this Saturday in Salt Lake City, Utah. The welterweight title is on the line as Kamara Usman defends his title against Leon Edwards. Their second meeting, of course, Usman won the first one via unanimous decision. And I got to say, I've been a little surprised at kind of the reaction to that fight and the amount of faith a lot of people seem to have for Leon Edwards being sort of a tough stylistic matchup for Kamar Usman. I'm a, little, I'm a little surprised to see a lot of people 
giving Leon Edwards a not just a chance, but like a really good chance to win this fight. So that's always exciting when Usman's in a fight that there are some folks out there who think he can actually lose. Right now, the betting odds have Kamar Usman as a minus 380 favorite. The comeback on Leon Edwards is plus 310. Main card is pretty solid. We got Paulo Costa, Luke Rockhold. You know the build to that fight's going to be fun, kind of hilarious, maybe a little over the line at times. Jose Aldo, Marab Duwalish, Willie is a fun one. We get Alexander Romanov back in the octagon to face Martin Tybora. And then the main card opener, not the fight I would have put in the spot, but listen, the UFC must know something that, that we don't. Tyson Pedro taking on Harry Hunsucker. And the rest of the card, interesting. Some competitive matchups. Miranda Maverick's back. We got Jared Gordon back. Sean Woodson's back against Luis Saldana. Francisco Figueredo is back. So it should be it should be a fun one. It should be a fun one. Not loaded with name value outside of the top three or four fights, but not too shabby nonetheless. So let's get to the peeps. I know my man Four Corner Sports wanted to take a little bit of a victory lap to kick us off and Let's do that right now. Hello, Four Corners. Hey, hey, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, man. So I was watching the fight with my grandfather, um, Cheeto Vera, um, and I got to say, bad habit on Cheeto on starting really, really slow. But I got to say, I don't know. I, I don't know if 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 Cruz is just losing his stuff because he got to, you know, he's aging up there. But I was super impressed that of Cheeto's power. He kept on, you know, one punch. Thank you. Right. One punch. Sorry, I'm actually at Duncan right now too, trying to get it the same, same thing you're trying to get it iced coffee. Um, so I was very impressed on the fact that you know Cheeto's power just seems like it's growing, and I'm actually looking forward to seeing you know how he's gonna match up because I do feel that the next fight he might have will be against uh, Piotr Jan, and I know both are notoriously slow starters. I want to get your input on that because I don't see Sean O'Malley um, knocking out uh, Piotr Jan within the first er early rounds. And then also, Nate Landward's fight, I mean, his stock grew. Same thing as David Onama, but obviously Nate Landward's fight grew because he ended up winning. W what is the ceiling on, on this guy's uh, future? Because, you know, this guy became, a, he could be a, a, a star in the making, but, you know, he's good on the mic. You know, I love what I saw. And, um, yeah, Mike, uh, just glad to hear that you're doing well and have a good one. Thanks, buddy. Enjoy your iced coffee. Hopefully you enjoyed as much as I'm enjoying mine. Yeah, Cheeto is it, – it's got to be so frustrating to fight that guy because, I mean, Rob Font hit him like 500 times, and it didn't even affect him at all. Dominic Cruz hit him a bunch. Didn't affect him at all. Like – you go and watch the post-fight press conference, Cheeto Vera. You go and see him on the MMA hour yesterday, and there's not even a mark on his face. It's like he's never in a fight. He's a friggin' zombie. It's incredible. And all he needs to do is hit you once, and you fall down. He knocked Dominic Cruz down four times in that fight. And Cruz looked good. Cruz looked very solid in the fight. Two of the All three judges had him up two rounds to one heading into the fourth round, but... That's just how Marlon Vera rolls. He's not a very fast starter, takes the first half of the fight to kind of get loose, and then he ends up getting going. And once he gets going, he is really hard to stop. 
The Jan fight makes sense. It all depends on when he wants to come back. If he wants to come back and fight before the end of the year, I don't think Jan will be on the table for him. Uh, we also have to see what happens with this fight with, with Sean O'Malley, which I think is a much more interesting fight than a lot of people think it's going to be. But I'm telling you, I said this on, on to the next one. I'll say it again. I know when we bring up this name, it usually comes with negativity, but maybe there's a chance. This is the fight I wanted for Henry Cejudo immediately. Him and, uh, him and Marlon Vera makes all the sense in the world. If Henry Cejudo truly wants to fight, go fight Marlon Vera. Because if you beat Marlon Vera, you go to the front of the line, you fight for the belts, you will get no complaints from me. But when you come out on social media and you're saying that Dominic Cruz is up four rounds to none before the knockout, and you're coming out and you're saying that you're not impressed with what this man has done or what this man did on Saturday, them's be fighting words. So, and if I'm Marlon Vera, I'm jumping all over that fight. Jumping all over it. That's a huge opportunity. That is probably a legit number one contender fight because you know if Cejudo wins, he'll probably get the title fight. And if Marlon wins, I'm sure the UFC won't be heartbroken by it and they'll probably do him a little bit of a favor and give him a title fight. So I like that matchup. That makes perfect sense. Do it in December. Do it at MSG. It doesn't matter. Put it on one of these pay-per-view cards towards the end of the year. I think that fight makes a lot of sense. Otherwise, he's just going to be waiting around for a while to see how some of this stuff plays out. Because I don't think if Aldo beats Barab, I don't think Aldo, I don't think they're going to match those two guys up again because we saw it not that long ago. It was a good fight. Aldo clearly won. But if Marab wins, maybe you do Marab. But that's a big one coming up on Saturday between those two guys. So, yeah, if, if, if Cejudo really wants to come back, like if he's truly serious about wanting to fight, I feel like Cheeto's the best possible matchup for him. I think it's the most winnable fight for him of the guys he could probably fight. But Marlon can win that fight too. That's a really good fight. And you're not asking too much of Cejudo for being honest, like looking at the rankings stuff. Marlon's on a roll, but he's a slow starter and Cejudo can start pretty quickly. So I'd be very interested to see what that fight looks like, but we will, uh, we will certainly see how it all plays out. And yeah, I forget what your other question was, but I'm sure it'll come up at some point. Let's go to Tristan. Tristan. Hello, sir. Hey, how are you feeling? Feeling good? I'm feeling good, baby. Let's go. <laughs> uh, before we begin, shout out to Ariel Hawani and the MMA Hour crew. Those were great interviews that he had. Shane Berger was going to PFL. That was a great conversation. I enjoyed every single of it. Demetrius Johnson, sometimes I wonder if he's the best flyweight that ever that ever lived sometimes because the run he was able to put on the UFC and things of that nature. Shout out. That was just such a great interview, how he looks at the fight. Talked about, you know, training with Henry Cejudo, which was stunning. And they're cool. I, I thought that was great. Um, and, then, and then I'm also listening to the interview with Kamaru Usman. I think that was great as well. Bo Nickwa watched every part of it. It was just great interviews, great insight, great thought process of everything. So sh kudos to the, the crew, MMA fighting and everything about that. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about um, the Angela Hill versus Lupe Gudinez fight. Um, I, it was a great fight, but I was a little bit disappointed with um, Lupe not, um, you know, going for more takedowns. I think she only had one takedown throughout the whole fight, which is her bread and butter. Um, I was looking at uh, the UFC stats and info, and 
anytime that Lupe um, goes for five or more takedowns, she usually wins the fight. Um, I don't mind her striking. That's fine, but there's got to be a balance. I would like more takedowns than striking. I think if she would have stuck to her bread and butter, got Angela Hill to the ground, did ground and pound, did what she normally did, that she did against Ariana Carnalosi in her last fight, I think she would have been successful. Um, I think after the first round, coaches were in the corner telling her, you got to get her on her back. If you don't get her on her back, you know, that's going to be a problem. And they told her again after the second round. And I, she said something back to the coaches of what was the problem. But, I, you know, I was just pretty stunned that she didn't go that route. But it is what it is. I think she'll learn from it. Just want your thoughts on on, on that whole sequence. Um, going back to Bo Nickel, Mike, I I have this unwavering confidence in Bo Nickel. I just, I just do the way he was talking to Ariel and saying, and it, it's not, and people, people I saw in the comments were like, this guy's out of his mind. What is wrong with this guy? You're not being, you're not being easy. What is wrong with you? You're crazy. And I'm just like, and I understand he's only, you know, two and oh, and I understand, but the wrestling career, the stature that he's done for college wrestling and, Possibly, if, if he didn't go to MMA, he would be going to the Olympics. And I've never felt this unwavering confidence in him since maybe since Bobby Habib. I mean, he says what he's going to do, and then he actually goes and does it. And he's done it such a high – like he said, I've been fighting since I was six years old. I've been wrestling since I was six years old. Nobody's going to be able to stop me. It's going to be one of those situations just like Habib. I call him the American Habib Nurmagomedov, where to the point you know what's coming – but you're not going to be able to stop it. And it's just this unwavering confidence in him. And I, it's the same I know with you that you have about um, Sarukin. It's the way that you have that confidence that you have in um, Muhammad Makayev. I have this unwavering confidence about Bo Nickel. And I, I always said he's going to beat your favorite middleweight fighters. And I think I truly believe he's going to be the pound-for-pound pound best fighter that we've seen three years, four years from now, you know, and he understands it's a process and he understands these certain things, but I'm just so high on Bo Nickel. I just, I'm just like, who's going to beat this guy? I'm telling you, man, he's just going to get better and he's just going to beat everybody that you put in front of him. You Mike, and that's, that's my feeling about it. And that's all I have to say. Thanks, Mike. I'm glad you're feeling better. Shout out to the whole MMA crew and everything. And I uh, hope you have a great day. Have a heck of a morning, Mike. Thanks, buddy. I just remember what the other question was um, from Four Corner Sports. Nate Landwehr, his ceiling. Uh, I think he's just going to be a fun guy at 145. I don't know if he's going to be fighting for titles, but I say this all the time. You can make a great living just being a fun, exciting fighter. And at 145, there's a lot of fun matchups for him. If they do the Billy Q fight, I'm all in on that one. Those two are just going to beat the brakes off each other, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. The loopy fight... I said this on the People's Pre-Fight Show, maybe on the preview show, I don't remember what it was, but I felt like skill for skill, I felt Loopy was the better fighter than Angela Hill. But sometimes you get in these situations where your fight gets moved up two months, you're dealing with a crowd that's going to be really into the fight, and sometimes you just kind of lose your way a little bit. You land a good strike... You start to fall in love with the striking a little bit, and I feel like that's what happened with Loopy Godinez. It was a fun fight. A fight that she didn't win, but again, she's, what is she, 9-2? and two? 
but she's also been like she's eight and three, excuse me, eight and three, but she's been so incredibly active as a fighter. It's been unbelievable. So I think she'll grow from it. I think it'll be fine, and she'll come back, and she'll be a top 15 strawweight sooner rather than later. And then Bo Nickel, I got a lot of heat for this on Tuesday of last week after he won. I think Bo Nickel is, if not the most talented guy to ever fight on the Contender Series, he's one of them. And it's just, it just naturally – it's just the wrestling. He's The sport was just a natural thing for him. And we talk about – athleticism all the time and how it's a cheat code in MMA. And Bo Nickel is a freak. He's a freak athlete. Now, I think he needs to slow his roll a little bit with, with, with the Izzy talk. But I do think right now, let me just, I'm going to pull up the rankings. I do think right now that he can hang with a lot of guys in the top 15 and middleweight. I think he can hang with a lot of guys. I think Chris Curtis would be an interesting fight just because of the size discrepancy. Chris Curtis is really good takedown defense, but I think he could do pretty well in that fight. Brad Tavares, I think he'd do okay with. I wouldn't put him near Jerkis Duplessis or Imavov, but you're telling me he couldn't, he doesn't have a chance against a Kelvin Gastelum right now, doesn't have a chance against a Darren Till right now. I think he has a chance against both of those guys, and I think he's going to be a problem for a long, long time. But we'll see. He's got to fight at the end of the Contender Series season. He'll probably win. It's this tailor-made matchup for him. A guy who gets taken down a lot. Doesn't have great takedown defense. I know he won his last fight with a late submission, but if you go back and watch that fight with Miles Lee, Miles Lee took him down a million times in that fight, and then he threw up a, a triangle in the fourth round and won the CFFC title, but the UFC knows what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. And it should be another... Quick, easy win for Bo Nickel. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. So excited to see what his career looks like. Let's go to Hendo Slice. How you doing? Good, doing good. Uh, I'm 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 semi heated this morning because uh, I'm I'm calling with a little anger from last time. I, I uh, we were talking, or you were talking about how fighters had missed their chance to unionize and stuff. And then I'd called in saying that Cruz was making a lot of mistakes probably because he didn't have a manager. Uh, and then a caller came in after me and said like, fighters don't need managers. Like they just need to use the opportunity, whatever. So I was a little steamed, but then when I saw the payouts for Cruz on this fight, I was like, this is exactly the problem, you know, like, if you look at it, uh, because California had it come out, he, he made 175, and then I assume he had another, like a win bonus of another 175 that he didn't get. Number one, like Cruz is, or Vera's making 150, 150. So Vera's nowhere near as big of a name as Cruz. You would think, like, uh, over the history of MMA, like, Cruz could have negotiated better. But also, one of the first things, like, a good manager would tell you is get rid of the win bonus because I mean, I, I, I work kind of in a similar field. I work in like music contracts and stuff like that, but it's sort of similar. And a win bonus, number one, like 
when you're winning more money is coming in things are going well like you're getting more advertisements when you're losing is when you need the extra money you know so it's better to take a contract that helps you when you're even if you lose and then on the other side it a win bonus also incentivizes your employer to make really hard matchups for you, you know, like the UFC saved $25,000 because Vera won, you know, so you never want that, you know, as a contract, like that just, it's, it's leaning against you in so many ways. And I don't expect Cruz to understand these kind of things. Like he needs to worry about fighting and he's such a great fighter. And I think he did really well in the fight and everything. So I, it just goes to show like, so many things are being missed because either the managers aren't very good or people don't trust their managers or whatever, but it's just, it's sorry to see, but then just to cool, just to even it out a little bit. I just wanted to say like, there's a lot of people hating on Cruz now and saying he was never as good as whatever. Like Cruz invented some things in MMA and there are some things that are even more important than being a champion. And I think innovating the martial arts is like, that's the top of the top. And and the way Cruz talks about being a martial artist, I think that his long-term innovations in the sport are what people are going to remember him by and his like unique footwork and people are going to study that. And they already do. So that's more important. I think than him getting in the title a third time. Uh, I just hope he doesn't get knocked out next fight. So, all right, those are my two points and uh, yeah, great show. Keep it up. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Listen, here, here's the thing that is, is kind of stunning to a lot of people. Marlon Vera has twice as many UFC fights than Dominic Cruz. Crazy to think about, right? Like, I know Cruz is in the WEC and all that, and, and technically they're tied together in a way. But if we look at actual UFC fights, Marlon Vera has 20, Cruz has 10. I mean, that's it. And here's the other thing. Like, I don't think Cruz isn't like, I'm going to be a full-time fighter and – all this stuff like Cruz does just fine financially. He does the broadcast stuff. He does desk stuff. He does a lot of stuff for the UFC. So I'm sure he's doing just fine financially. And Vera's just the more active guy too. So, I mean, he's earned the right to earn a, around the same as Cruz at this point, just because he's got double the actual UFC fights than, than Cruz has like for the actual UFC. So Cruz is still really good, man. Like he looked, he looked very solid in that fight. He just got caught. There were certain things that that he does that hasn't changed in a long time, which Eric Nixick pointed out, which other people pointed out as well. Jason Perlo saw that, sent Vera a screenshot about Cruz's head going to the side, opening him up for that head kick. And Marlon Vera is just a true student of the game, man. It was a great performance, and the fight, like the the whole fighter pay thing, and and all that. I, I talked about it at nauseum. What else can we say? And I and I I hate the win bonus structure. And a lot of people still throw out the open scoring thing. Remember a couple months ago, it's all we were talking about was freaking open scoring. We don't need it. We don't need open scoring. If you just take away the win bonus structure and just give fighters guaranteed money, you don't need open scoring. Fights will change. Things like like the reason that open scoring is a thing. And the reason why we are all up in arms about some of these decisions, the biggest reason is because of the pay structure, the win and show money. It's just dumb. The whole thing is dumb. It should just be guaranteed money for everybody. You show up, you make weight and you walk into the cage 
you get your full purse. And then if you get a finish, you get a bonus. Like you just do it that way. Things will change. We won't be complaining so, so much about split decisions and robberies and things of that nature. We won't. We won't. But that's just the way the sport is run. And until someone, until fighters are ready to walk away and just not fight, this is the world we're going to be living in for a little while now. And that's just the way that it is. But I understand where you're coming from. But, I mean, if you're the UFC, no one's doing anything about it. The media can, the media and the fans can talk about it all we want. But it's not going to make any difference whatsoever until the fighters are willing to just step away, walk away, not fight. All of them. Every single one of them. But until that happens, nothing's going to change. And that's just it. It sucks, but that's the world we live in. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go to Mikey Bats. Mikey, you're there. What's up, buddy? Not much, brother. Just freaking running on like two hours of sleep, but that's not here neither there. Um, so like so Luke says that if he beats Paulo Costa, he's gonna sit and wait out a title shot against Adesanya. I'm actually on the same wavelength as him, but beyond that, do you think like I was just watching the first episode of Embedded, and uh, this is either near or there, because you know, what does it matter when you see something on video? But it looks like he's kind of found his spark back. You know, like he finally he looks like he's back into this thing again. Like he looks like he likes to do this again. So, do you think how much do you think that's going to factor into, you know, his performance on Saturday? You know what I mean? Like they always say about sports, right? 90% physical, 90% uh, mental, 10% physical. So I'm curious what you think about that. So thanks, man. Good morning. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I, I interviewed Luke maybe a year and a half ago, and he was fired up then. He was super fired up. It was like my favorite Luke Rockhold interview ever. He was personable. He was smiling. He was laughing. Seemed like he was having a good time. He was just in good spirits. We'll see. This is a tough matchup for him to come back to. I'm curious how he is going to be taking a punch and taking a kick because Paul Costa is a powerhouse and Luke Rockhold is not Marvin Vittori. He's just, he's just not. He's been knocked out several times. Some pretty bad knockouts. So you could be as up as you want. You could, be, you could have the spark all you want, but what happens when you get punched in the face or kicked in the head? Can he take it? Is that chin going to hold up? That's the big question. 
by the time Saturday rolls around, that fight will be the most talked about fight. It might be now. But once you get these guys at media day, once you get them at the press conference on Thursday, they're just going to talk a lot to each other. They're going to say a lot of things. And yeah, it'll be probably the most anticipated fight on the entire card. But I'm like I'm super curious to see how Luke looks. I don't know if he's getting a well. You know what? He might actually find himself into a title fight if he wins this fight. Because I mean, who's left? Sean Strickland is fighting Derek Brunson. Maybe if Sean wins, he gets up there. But he's coming off of a lot. I don't know. Division's kind of a mess right now. It won't be Cannonier. It won't be Vittori. Unless he just bolts Robert Whitaker, maybe. It won't be Whitaker because we just saw that fight. We saw Paul, we saw the Paulo Costa Adesanya fight. Adesanya just ran him over. But there's still probably a little bit of heat there. I don't know. Middleweight's kind of wide open right now. So if Rockhold comes out and just bolts Paulo Costa, who knows? Maybe he does get himself a title fight. It all depends on Adesanya and all depends on how the rest of this all shapes out, but he's definitely in the mix if he goes out there and puts on a great performance against Paulo Costa, but we'll see. He does seem sort of ramped up, seems motivated, seems ready to go. We'll see if that all translates on Saturday. It's a really interesting matchup. Let's go to Viral Nico. Oh, Hello, sir. Uh, good morning, Mike. Um, I have a question, right? I was having a debate with um, a few of my friends in our group chat about um, Jose Aldo's career and then, like, how do we see him and, like, rec- like compared to the other uh, UFC and WEC uh, uh, legends? Like, I was saying that he has, like, a big claim for, like, top 10. What do you think about that? Of all time? Uh, not of all time, but he has a chair there, but also... I'm counting, like, what he's done in, like, um, his whole, like, career. Yeah, I, it, here, in my opinion, and the, these are debates that are just kind of dumb and kind of silly, and it's all based on personal preference. In my eyes, if we're doing, I don't know if he's a Mount Rushmore, but you can make a compelling case he's top five all time. He's the greatest featherweight of all time. Volkanovski's not there yet. Holloway wasn't there yet. I know Holloway has two wins over him, but what Jose Aldo has done at featherweight and what he's doing at bantamweight, what he's done throughout his career, to me, he's top five all time, pound for pound. Top five. Not everybody will probably agree with me on that, but he's definitely got a seat at that table. His resume is incredible. He's had some tough losses along the way, but... Most fighters have. Just to see what he's done at Bant, like after he, after he moved, like he moved to one thirty-five, he had a hard time making one forty-five. He transformed everything. Moves to one thirty-five, has the tough fight with Marlon Marais, has the 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 loss to Piotr Jan. Which, by the way, if you go back and watch that fight, it's super competitive until the championship rounds. Then Jan takes over and then he finishes him brutally at the end of the fight. But I mean, come on, man, this guy is unbelievable. He should be fighting for the title now, 
But instead, he's going to go fight freaking Barab to Wallace Willie, which is not fun for anybody. And I don't bet on MMA, but I will say this. Jose Aldo as an underdog looks mighty enticing. He's not like a huge dog, but he's plus 105. It's basically a coin flip fight, but you're giving me Jose Aldo a plus money against pretty much anybody at 135. It's a nice looking line. It's a nice looking line. But yeah, I think he's top five all time. Let's bring in Anthony freaking Taylor. What's up, buddy? Just got to unmute yourself. There we go. Are you there? All right, try again, my man. I'll get you in. Let's go to Toke. There's a lot of people waiting. I'm going to get to everybody. I promise. Toke, what's up, buddy? Thank you for bringing me in. Um, so I, uh, regarding uh, Tuesday Night Contender Series today, I was wondering, are there any uh, promotions where the UFC would be compelled to not sign them directly? Or, oh, sorry, where they would sign them directly. Because I'm thinking about Jack Cartwright, who is uh, Cage Warriors champion in the Bantamweight division, and they have him going through going through the Contender Series, which seems to me, for such an excitable guy seems to be a weird choice because I think he could fit right in you know, n without the fight. So it's just, are there any promotions left where the UFC would sign them directly uh, instead of going through the pipeline of contender series and that stuff? Hmm. I mean, it, it probably all depends on the fighter, especially in today's like social media era. You go out there and you have a viral moment you get a much better chance of getting signed. It also depends on like the timing of everything as well. Like let's just say oh, contender series ends, ends in September this year, like the late September, let's just say you go out and have a viral knockout in October. There's a chance you get signed outright. Like Dominic Reyes is like a perfect example of this because Dominic Reyes was what five and O or something like that when he signed with the UFC, but he had a viral knockout before getting signed. He fought some dude who was like too big for his britches Try to be a little cocky with with Vera, with uh, with Reyes, and then Reyes like absolutely bolts him, and then gets signed to the UFC like right after that because that video of the knockout went completely viral. I think Bo Nickel is a pretty good example of that as well. Like if Bo Nickel, as an amateur, just got some takedowns and won thirty twenty sevens and wasn't just knocking dudes out, do you think he'd be in this position right now? Probably not. But when Bo Nickel fought as even as an amateur. Every single major website picked up on it. Every single one. And those videos, those highlight reels, they spread. So Bo basically, he's on the Contender Series, but we all understand what's going on here. He is signed to the UFC. Basically, it's like a, their own version of a, of a developmental deal. They're just putting him through the ropes here, getting him out there. And I think Jack, guys like Jack Cartwright, especially when it comes to trying to fill these cards up, you're trying to get more of a, of a worldwide global audience. And I think you're going to have more people from, from the UK, from Europe who watch cage warriors are going to be watching the card tonight. They're going to wake up early and they're going to watch this. They're going to watch and fight Jose Johnson. And I like the matchup here. Jose's got a ton of experience. He's another guy who's had some viral KOs. He's had like three or four of them, but Jack 
should probably win this fight. And it's just to get Jack in there. This is like, uh, we'll see how, what Jack does with the opportunity. Reminds me of Jake Hadley in a lot of ways. But Jake missed weight, still got a contract, which is one of the more weird things we've ever seen on the Contender Series. But I think Jack should win this fight. And there's a little bit of heat on this one. If you saw the weigh-in videos, they were John getting after it a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's a, like Haley Cowan's another one who some people feel like she should be in the UFC already, coming from LFA and stuff like that. It's it all. The, I don't think it has anything to really do with promotions. I think it just has to do with the individual, the performances, and how well their performances translate on a social media scale. The UFC pays tons of attention to that stuff. Like if Haley Cowan had a knockout. In LFA, they got like 10 million views. She'd probably get outright signed. But if you don't have that, you go on the Contender Series, and there you go. Jack's probably, I don't know if he's in, but as long as Jack has like a decent performance tonight, he's probably going to get signed. Either way, even if it's like a short notice opportunity down the line. You put him on like another Europe card. If they go back to London, you could put him on that card. He's probably, as long as he doesn't get the doors blown off him tonight, he'll probably end up in the UFC for his next fight. At least that's what I think. But I think it's all about the individual and numbers on social media and how well some of these finishes translate in terms of numbers and viewership. Are some of the big websites picking them, picking up on them? Stuff like that. That's a good question. Let's go to Brian. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. So my question was about this weekend. Obviously, we have Leon and Kamar fighting for the title with 170. My question was more, so if and when Leon wins on Saturday, do you think that no matter how he wins, that they immediately do a rematch next? Or do you think there are other directions they could go, given how things may fall with Hamzad or Colby, et cetera? Hmm, that's actually a really good question. Uh, are, are, are you saying, because you said if and when, are you picking Leon? Oh, win? yeah, I believe 100% he's going to win. Wow, I love it. Love the gusto. I think it all depends on Usman, honestly. If Usman, is, if Usman wants the rematch, I think he'll get it. I don't know. That's a good question. Probably have to wait till like September, the end of the night, September 10th, to really get a grasp on it. But I'd be stunned if they didn't. We've seen immediate rematches for with guys who had like one title defense, or in some cases didn't have any title defenses and gotten immediate rematches. I'd be stunned if Usman didn't get one. But Shamayev is in play, and if he goes out there and just runs over Nate, which a lot of people feel he's going to do, September 10th. Be hard to deny him, but I think I think that's going to all depend on Usman. If Usman is just screaming from the mountaintops, I want a rematch. If he goes to the post fight press conference saying he wants a rematch. He'll probably get it, but it's probably something they're going to have to turn around relatively quickly. Maybe end of the year, early next, and then have Shemaev fight the winner after that. I don't know. What will be interesting is if Leon does win and they run it back and Usman beats Leon, will they run it back again? Or will they just move on? That'd be a really interesting question. 
But I would lean towards the rematch just because Usman's been the champion for so long. He hasn't even really been tested in a lot of these fights outside of the Colby fights. And I do think Usman's going to win. But like I said at the beginning, there's a lot of people who feel like Leon has a much better chance than the betting odds are indicating. It's kind of surprising. Let's go to Stevie. Stevie, are you there? Can't hear you. Jump back in, Stevie. I'll bring you in. Let's go to Cody. Cody. Hey, Mike. You're on mute. There you go. How's it going? Hey, buddy. Good. Good. Um, so, yeah, just the last question that guy said. I actually do think Leon Edwards has a pretty good chance of beating Usman. So my question is, um, what are the chances you see Usman if he loses or even wins? What are the chances you see him retiring after this fight? Hmm. Probably not. I would say probably not. I don't think he's going out on a loss to Leon Edwards. I don't think we have a lot of time left with Kamar Usman, the fighter, if we're being honest. Now he's talking about moving up to 205. It'll cert- a loss to Leon will certainly take away any of that 205 chatter. That's for damn sure. I don't know if he retires. I think they'll probably try to run it back. And if I'm him, I think you have to, you have to realize how big that Shamaya fight could be for him. So if he loses, I think he's going to try to get the rematch, try to get the belt back, and then try to get one big payday with, with Shamaya. Because Shamaya... Shamayev is the biggest fight he can get right now. There's no doubt about it. He's not fighting Canelo. If he goes to 205, it's probably not happening anytime soon because that division's kind of a mess right now. It's just, it's just not like a clear path. Now, it could be interesting is if Adesanya loses to Pereira and then they run it back and if Pereira beats him a second time, then maybe Usa will just go up to 185. But... We'll see. I don't think he retires with a loss, though. I don't. I think the competitor in him will not allow that to happen, but we've seen stranger things happen. All right, Stevie, do we have you? Yes, you have, you know. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to say a couple things. One thing about the Cruz pay thing, uh, you did mention it, but he doesn't fight a lot, which is a big reason why these guys are getting pay bumps when you see, like, Kevin Holland – even you see uh, Vera, who has a pretty good pay. These guys fight a lot, and that's how they get new paychecks or new contracts, it seems. So that's a big deal. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up was uh, this 17-year-old or yeah, 17-year-old guy that they're seeming to be having on Dana White Contender Series. I'm not sure if you heard about him. Seems pretty interesting. Um, 17-year-old fighting. I'm not sure how... They're gonna even if, even if he wins, I don't know how they could sign him and then not sign Bo, Bo Nickel after a win. So I'm just interested on in what you think about that. Thank you, Mike. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I was muted. Uh, yes, Raul Rosas Jr. is his name. 17 years of age. He's five and zero. Oh. He's fighting September 20th against. Mando Gutierrez. I'm trying to make sure it's the same dude. Because Gutierrez 
was supposed to fight somebody else? Not on the Contender Series? Who was he supposed to fight? He was supposed to fight somebody else. I think for Lights Out, he was booked to fight somebody else. I forget who it was, but now he's on the Contender Series fighting this fighting a 17-year-old. So we'll see what happens. In order to be licensed by the Nevada Athletic Commission, which oversees the Contender Series, fighters must be 18 to 38 years of age. However, special licenses may be granted to those outside the age range with special commission approval. The law reads, if an applicant for a license to engage in unarmed combat or an unarmed combatant has not reached 18 years of age, the applicant must have his or her application for a license or for renewal of a license reviewed by the commission. Or if time does not permit and no concerns about the application have been raised by the executive director or any commissioner reviewed by the chair or chair's designee, so that is that his or her qualifications may be considered before the license is issued or renewed. And from my, what I understand... He had to get, like, parents' permission to fight. Pretty crazy. We'll see what happens. 17 years of age, getting ready to fight, potentially for a UFC contract. This guy has, I mean, this would probably be a developmental deal for sure. They must see something really special in this kid. I've watched him fight a couple of times. His level of competition has not been tremendous, if we're being honest, but hey, listen, they must see some, they must see something in this kid, but he'd be the perfect developmental deal kind of a guy, at least, at least in my eyes. But we'll see what happens September 20th. Let's go to Stealthy. Stealthy, are you there? Mike Heck, this is Brett Goldman. How you doing, my friend? How you been? All right, good? What's up, my man? How I love doing? listening to your show, man. I don't always uh, uh, chime in, but uh, but I try to listen when I can on my ride to work. Is uh, I love uh, all MMA, uh, all M- MMA talk, man. But uh, I want to touch on uh, just two quick fights, and uh, I'd just like to get your opinion. Um, first of all, one of my favorite UFC fighters of all time, just for the scrappiness and what he brings, has always been Nate Diaz, and I, I just love what he's always brought to MMA and his attitude. Uh, I just wish he, his attitude hasn't kept him from so many fights over the years. I feel like he got cocky and everything, but um, what are your thoughts? Do you think he even has a shot versus uh, Cosmet? I mean, not that he has a sh- doesn't have a shot like he can compete with them, but do you really think he has a shot to win? And my next question was, and I'm going to uh, just listen and let you touch on this, is uh, I can't stand Sean O'Malley. Uh, I, I was so glad when he lost to Cheeto Vera. I, I, I just think he's, uh, he's cocky, and he just rubs me the wrong way, and I would love nothing more than to see Peter Yan beat his face and to uh, take his uh, hype train down to uh, a level of a cab or an Uber. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts, Mike, and uh, good hair for you. My man, Brett. So funny story about Brett. I've known Brett pretty much my whole life. My oldest brother and him were, were really good friends growing up and spent a lot of time with, uh, with, with Brett Gilman. Good guy. Glad to hear his voice. You could hear the Boston accent really come out and just a good dude. Nate and O'Malley are very similar cases because they both understand that they are both stars. And they want to be treated as such. They want to be treated fairly. Sean O'Malley has kind of changed the way a lot of fighters view their careers. 
We talked about Dominic Cruz and his thoughts about managers. Sean O'Malley manages himself. And he has his own reasons why. You'll go back and listen to his interview with Ariel Hawani. Sort of explains that stuff that managers do, at least in his eyes, he could do himself. So that's what he does. I think this is a great matchup for, for O'Malley. I think as long as he doesn't get the doors blown off him in the first round, I think he's, his stock could definitely rise here. He's long. He's lanky. He's a really good striker. He can keep Jan at range. I feel like he's going to have to blow the doors off early because once Jan gets cooking and figures out O'Malley, which he will because he does that with everybody he fights, if O'Malley could just be somewhat competitive, can have moments in the fight, I think he's going to be all right. I think it's a great fight for both guys, especially with what's available and what has been on the books. I think it's a great opportunity for O'Malley. And as long as he's somewhat competitive and has moments, I think he's going to be all right. And with Nate, Nate just has been done wrong by the UFC for a long time now. He's getting this fight with Shemaev. He just wants out of this contract. Do I think he's going to win? No, I don't think he's going to win. Do I think he has more of a chance than a lot of people think he has? Yeah, I do. But it's going to have to be something that He's going to have to take a beating to get there. If this fight gets to round three, Nate's got a chance. Nate's got a chance. We saw Shemaev kind of fade in the Gilbert fight. I'm sure he's working on that. But I've stood next to this man. I've stood next to Hamza Shemaev. I stood next to him in Jacksonville a couple of times. I cannot believe this guy makes 170 pounds. I can't believe it. Cannot believe it. He is a monster. He's a giant. If he didn't fight in the UFC and I saw him in Jacksonville and someone's like, hey, see that guy over there? He's a light heavyweight prospect named Hamza Shemaev. I'd be like, wow. Okay, I could see that. He's huge. That's a big weight cut for that man. Big weight cut. The one concern, like the concerns I would have on the Shemaev side are one, if the fight gets extended. And two, just that, that weight cut's got to take a lot out of him. He's humongous. He's so big. He's a giant. I'm picking Shemaev to win as of right now, but it would be the most MMA thing in the world if Nate won that fight. It'd be the, cool, it'd be the most unbelievable thing ever. And what, a, what an ending to the UFC story, at least for right then and there. And maybe it won't be the end of the story. Who knows? Maybe he goes and boxes Jake Paul and comes back. Who the hell knows? But this is why they fight. This is why they fight. But the longer that fight goes, the more it favors Nate. That's for damn sure. But getting him into the later rounds could be tough. Because Shabayev is just going to pick him up and toss him around a little bit. But Nate is a very, very durable guy. I can't wait for it. The rest of the card stinks. It stinks, but that fight is super interesting and it's going to do really well on pay-per-view. All right, let's go to Viking MMA. There's a lot of you waiting. I'm going to try to get to everybody, I promise. Viking! Hey, buddy. Hello, Mike. Is my sound good? Hello, sir. Because it's raining yes. heavy. Perfect. Already. I got gotcha. you. Uh, 
My question is about Alex Pereira and Israel Adesanya. Because, you know, everyone is talking about Alex Pereira could possibly beat Adesanya, but can beat other five guys at the top in the middleweight division. I mean, don't forget that he is with one of the elite grappler, Glover Tishira. And I mean, come on, Vittori and Robert Whittaker are not that really good. You know, wrestlers or grapplers, you can say. Vittori clearly had his back and, you know, he had that choke and he wasted that opportunity in the process of being his punchline, the first Italian UFC champion. He loses ground. I mean, Marvin Vittori loses good positions every time in the grappling exchanges. Good, okay, Parra is not going to wrestle, but he can defend. I'm going to kind of have that Bruno Silva fight because, you know, you make mistakes and learn. Glover is not going to ignore that fact that they will try to wrestle with him. No, it's all about that guy has a knockout power, so try to find some flaws that he can wrestle and can beat the top guys will choke him. You know, that's ridiculous. And my second question is why no one gives a shit about Benil Darius just because he's not active on social media. Is that the reason? And again, one more question. Which head kick do you think head kick knockouts was the cleanest head kick knockout? Kevin Lee versus Greg Gillespie or Cheeto versus Dom? Thanks, thanks, Mike. Thanks, buddy. To me, the, man, that's a great. That last is a great question, Kevin. It's got to be Kevin Lee to me. Um, Cheetos are super clean, though. But that's like asking what what kid I like better, and they're both really good. Um, yeah, they're both really clean. The Cheeto one's super clean too, but the Kevin Lee one is just vicious. I was there that night. That was a, a wild freaking knockout. But Neil Dariush, man, he just – he had a lot of buzz after the Tony Ferguson fight, didn't he? A lot of people – like even on the show when we were talking about what's who's Charles Oliveira going to fight, a lot of people were still feeling like Benio was the guy who deserved the title shot over Islam Makachev because Benio at least had a couple of, couple of big wins in the division against higher-ranked competition – but the injury, man, him not fighting Islam, that really hurt. That really stung. Because I would have loved to have seen how that fight played out. It would have been a really interesting matchup. And, yeah, that's where we're at right now. Now he's going to fight Matush Gamrod. I do feel like he's kind of – I know Volkanovski is saying that he thinks, you know, he's, he's planning to be the backup for that title fight. That would just be – that would just be pretty dirty if something happened. Volkanovski slotted in there and not Benil. So, yeah, it's, it, it's boy, is that it's a tough spot to be in. Tough spot to be in. He's kind of where Ferguson was when they were trying to get him and Habib. And Ferguson had a lot, little more buzz because he he's always so interesting. Social media game is, is very Ferguson-esque. He's kind of in a league of his own and cuts all these promos and says a lot of crazy things. And Benil isn't really like that. So he's just in a really tough spot. It sucks. It really it, – it, it sucks. He's in a tough spot. Because even if – I think the best thing Benil could hope for is that he wins and then Islam wins and then they'll just try to match those two guys up. 
Because if he wins and Oliveira wins, he's still probably going to have to wait for a title fight. Because I do believe Connor is, is fully in that conversation, especially if Oliveira wins. Which isn't right, but it's the UFC business world we live in, folks. Let's go to Noel. Noel, are you there? Yeah, man, what's up? Um, I'm doing doing? good, man. I'm just have a couple questions. There's a big fight coming up in the fall. Kind of really excited about UFC 280, 281 as well. Um, From New York, so definitely hoping to go to Madison Square Garden. But I'm trying to see any more fights coming up. Uh, Tony Ferguson and Dan Hooker. I was trying to see if that fight could probably be in New York or you think it would probably be on a UFC night. Because I definitely, they were going at it. I'm not sure it tweets, but that would be a massive fight in the card. So, yeah, what's your take on Ferguson and, and uh, Hooker career beyond? Thanks, man. I like that matchup. I do like it. I don't know if you get it at MSG, but I, I like the fight. I think it lines up perfectly for both guys. I'd rather see Ferguson fight Dan Hooker than fight Armand Sarukian or some of these crazy guys at 155. So, yeah, I, I like that idea. I don't think anyone's going to complain if it's on that MSG card or if they do it in December. The two guys have basically built the fight themselves, so just let them freaking fight. It's right there. But 281's starting to come together a little bit. They haven't announced... Um, they haven't announced the Chandler Poirier fight on that card. I would say that more likely than not, it'll happen on that card. But I know they were looking at December as well. So that's not 100% done. Poirier had the emoji of the Statue of Liberty. But yeah, I think I wouldn't be shocked if that one ends up on the card. We have found out Aaron Blanchfield versus Molly McCann's on that card. Uh, we confirmed yesterday a report from MMA Junkie. Dominic Reyes, his comeback fight is on that card against Ryan Spann. I still think it should have been Dominic Reyes, Dustin Jacoby, but Jacoby's fighting Khalil Roundtree. And this is, I think this is fine. I think this is fine. Let's go to a hid. A hid. Oh, no, I lost you. Try that again. Oh, by the way, I didn't address Viking MMA's question with, uh, Pereira. I can't wait for the fight. But this is exactly... The UFC planned this out perfectly. They match made for Pereira perfectly. And it set up this fight. As soon as he got to the UFC, we understood what they were trying to do. Try to get to this fight as quickly as possible. You can dog on the UFC all you want. But if it's one thing they do really well, is when they want a guy or a fighter to climb the ranks. They want to set up something big. More often than not, it ends up happening. And that's exactly what happened here. So, yeah, I don't think they – they just needed to see it one time. And we got a quick before Adesanya decides to move up to 205 or lap around the division again. They got to this fight quickly, and it was the right thing to do. Whether you're impressed with Pereira, whether you – no matter how you gauge his chances in that fight, the story is there. He's earned the right to get to the title fight. Got Sean Strickland. 
Sean Strickland would have definitely got the title fight if he won, especially with how he carried himself during that fight week in July. It worked out perfectly. The UFC is really good at that. And they've done it again. So it's, it's an interesting fight. And plus, by the way, it's been a long time since Adesanya has gotten into the octagon or gotten into a fight with somebody who already has a win on him. Not only does he have one win, he has two wins over him in the kickboxing realm. So I'm curious to see if that just lights a fire under Izzy or if he's going to be a little more tentative knowing all of that. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what that fight looks like. Who knows? Adesanya could just blow the doors off him real quick. And is that such a bad thing if that does happen? Probably not. Maybe he gets that fire in in his belly like he had for Paulo Costa. Who knows? Let's go to three stripes. What's up, Mike? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, so I have uh, two points, and I kind of want to hear your opinion on them. So I'm an Usman fan, um, but I also like Leon, and I think a lot of people are underrating um, Leon's well-roundedness. I think he can kind of do it all. Um, his takedown defense is really good. I think his striking might pose problems for Usman because he's pretty composed and he doesn't really throw himself out of position too often. Um, and I think I think if the fight stays on the feet, I think Leon can actually make Usman look a little silly. Um, my second point is the Jose Aldo versus Marab fight. People seem to think that Jose is just going to run through Marab and I think Marab's style of fighting where he takes you down and kind of lets you get up and takes you down again and lets you get up and takes you down again, that's going to be a problem for Jose's gas tank because we've seen recently that he does kind of gas out, you know, heading into like the mid-second round or so. Um, and I think Marab can can upset Jose in this fight pretty easily. What do you think? Thank you, Three Stripes. I think Usman, if Usman just wants to win – and just kind of get Leon behind him. I think you could just wrestle him for five rounds. I kind of feel like that's what we're going to see. If it does stay on the feet, I think it's pretty close to 50-50. Like, Leon is a, can be a dynamic striker at times, but Usman's got that power. Usman's very composed in there as well. He's got a great team behind him. They know everything about Leon Edwards right now. And Leon has a lot of pressure on him in this fight. Like, Usman's got pressure, sure, but I think all the pressure's on Leon here because it took him so long to get to a title fight. And I hate throwing out, like, must-win when it comes to title fights, but in this particular case, this is a must-win for Leon Edwards because he's probably not getting another title shot ever again if he doesn't win. So, Yick, in the back of his mind, he has to know that. If I don't win... I'm probably not getting a title fight ever again because it took him so long to get one to this point. And he's only here because there's really nobody else, if we're being honest. I mean, Shemaev's right there, but... So there's, there's, there's different pressures heading into this fight, but I think if Usman's smart, he just takes him down over and over again and has sort of an Usman-like decision that we had before the second Mazadal fight, that type of performance before he started finishing everybody, it would not stun me at all to see Usman just kind of cruise to a decision because he's got that wrestling in his back pocket. We just haven't seen it in so long. So he hasn't needed it, but it's there when he needs it. And he's definitely a much better wrestler than Leon is. So that's how I feel. 
Usman's best path to victory is, but Usman can hang on the feet with Leon for sure. But like I said at the beginning, I'm, I'm stunned that a lot of people are giving Leon this much of a chance, considering how people felt about Leon heading into this fight. I know Ahid, who I'm going to bring on right now, has been talking about no one caring about Leon, and now here we are fighting for the title. How are you, Mike? I got you. I got you. All right. Good. All right, cool. UFC 278, Leon Edwards fight week. You already know what I'm going to say. Like, he never deserved <laughs> the title shot in the first place. You said it right there, Mike. No one else is left. That's the only reason he's here. But um, it's like with uh, Markachev. He never deserved the title, and he didn't fight any top guys. Now, that's partially not his fault, and it partially is. But like Markachev, I'm actually going to say Leon wins this weekend. Like, it's funny how badly I've crapped on Leon Edwards, but I think Leon will win. The reason being is because I'm going fourth round TKO. And the reason is, is because of, like, we've seen this story so many times in mixed martial arts, how someone has worked their entire life for this moment. And you're saying the pressure's on Leon. I really don't think so. I think it's on Usman because this is just another title defense. You know, I'm really shocked Usman took this fight. I, I feel like he should have exercised his right to wait and we should have gone with your patented idea, right? You should put like a trademark. That's right, I did. That's right. Hamza and Leon, because it just would have made a, a shit that, like, Lee Usman should have used leverage. He really should have leveraged his position as a champion and waited. I'm really surprised he took this fight. Um, but I, we've seen this. Usman is talking about everything except Leon. He's talking about Connor. He's talking about Jake Paul. He's talking about 205ers. He's looking at Wakanda. Congratulations to him. But I'm just saying, like, he's looking at all this different stuff and not Leon. Um, so I, I really feel Leon's going to get the edge. I expect, though, to be a trilogy, and I expect Usman to smash his head in. So that's point one. Point two, UFC 282. What the hell is happening? Like, what the hell? Like, Ariel's reporting different things. It, it just changes every two seconds. It's ridiculous. Like, first it's Stipe and John. Then it's like, oh, Francis might come back. And it's the one. And then Brandon Gibson is, for some reason, going everywhere, like, um, saying, oh, John's going to come back. John's looking brilliant. And I don't think Brandon's a liar. Brandon doesn't seem like a BS guy. He seems honest. But it's just the wildest thing that's been playing out. And also, lastly, Mike, I know you're like, obviously, you building up the position you are in MMA journalism. How does someone like me want to break in? Because it feels like I'm just getting all these bullshit excuses from everyone saying you to get the job, you need experience. But to get experience, you need the damn job. And like, no, like, I'm trying to get after fighters and managers. I don't like managers because I think they're like fucking parasites. But yeah, that's all I've got for you today, Mike. Ah, <laughs> oh, Hid. Always bringing the heat. Yeah, I mean, I'll address the last question because you said everything and we'll let everybody sort of digest all of that. But just, I don't know. I mean, the, before I got to MMA fighting, I just freelanced and just got with whoever would give me an opportunity. And I think I was writing and doing interviews for like seven or eight websites before I got the MMA fighting job. And there's lots of like up and coming sites that will give you the opportunity to get your stuff out there. Some of them are not 
as readily available as they were a couple of years back, but some are. So basically when I made the decision to go freelance, I just hit up everybody. I hit up everybody. Do you need anybody to do interviews? Do you need anybody for this? Do you need anybody for this? And I took every yes I could get. And then opportunity came along and I just tried to do a little bit of everything. So I was doing interviews. I was breaking news. I was doing all different kinds. I was writing like full length features uh, on pay-per-view fight nights. I was doing basically live blogs or, you know, recaps of like every single fight on a pay-per-view. Like I remember working for MMAnews.com for a while before I got to MMA fighting. And I would, I would watch a pay-per-view and I would, I would do recaps of every single fight on the card. Everyone, everyone from the first prelim to the main event, I would just do them all. And then I would cover the press conference and I would just do all this stuff because it was just building experience. So yeah, it was always something my dad always said. It was like, you could be great at one thing, but try to be good at everything. Try to at least have experience in every aspect because you got to like to get, you know, some of these opportunities, you're going to get thrown right to the fire and you got to be able to do everything. So yeah, it's, it's tough, but just go after it and, and go get it. There's up, op- there's places out there that, are, that you can gain experience from hundred percent. So if that's what you want to do, go get it, go get it. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Let's go to Alex. Alex, are you there? Alex. There we go, Mike. We got him. How are you? Now I can't hear you. Islam, fight. Seemed like you were kind of hesitant, like you're not 100% on board. You don't really love that. I personally do. It feels like, I almost call it like a Cerrone thing. Of course, Cerrone never defended a belt, but he's like just down for anything. Volkanovski's like, just put me anywhere. Let's do it. Totally. Uh, oh, Alex, jump back in. You were breaking up like crazy, but I'll address the Volkanovsky thing. I don't have an issue with Volkanovsky going in to be the backup. Um, my issue is there's guys already there, Benil being one of them, and it's just a tough spot for him to be in. But I'll, I'll grab your second question now that I see you. All right. Yeah, if you want to throw your second question out, Alex. 
Someone said Cody Garbrandt. I don't really like that fight. I like the storyline, but Dominic's obviously older than he was when he lost to Cody the first time. Cody still has power. I th think Dominic, a few more fun fights or... Yeah, I lost you again. Yeah, I mean, if Dillashaw loses to, to Aljo, you could do the rematch there. If Cody beats Ronnie Yaya, you could do that rematch. I would rather him get those kinds of fights than, I don't know. I mean, there's options for him. Cruz still has a name. Cruz is still performing pretty well. He looked good in the Cheeto fight for two and a half rounds. Barry started to take over in the third, and then he knocked him out in the fourth. But he was up on all three judges' scorecards heading into the fourth. So I think Cruz still has some gas left in the tank. It's all on him and whatever he wants to do. I don't think he's just going to slyly go in the MA hour and retire or anything like that. But I do think he strikes me as a guy that's going to be like, he'll book a fight and then he'll just say it's his last one heading into it. Wouldn't stun me. But he's got, he's got a future in broadcasting. He's, he's getting a lot of experience on the, on the broadcasts, doing the color work. I'd like to see Cruz on the desk a little bit more. I think he was saying September 10th he's going to be on the desk. I don't think he's going to be on the broadcast booth, but I think he's going to be on the desk. And I think Cruz is great at that stuff. I think he's excellent. Let's go to Jord. Man, I can't believe how many people are waiting. I'll try to get to everybody. Jord, how are you? Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. I just have a quick question, and forgive me if it's already been talked about. I'm just curious your thoughts on Rory McDonald retiring recently. And on the same weekend, you had a new prospect, Aaron Jeffrey, uh, unranked knockout Austin Vanderford in Bellator. Just curious your thoughts are on that and the Canadian MMA scene. And, uh, yeah, any thoughts around his performance? Thanks, man. Yes, happy trails to Rory McDonald. What a career this guy had. Part of just some amazing fights. It was just, it was just weird. Like once he went to Bell, like him moving up to 185 to fight Gegard Mousasi. If we're talking about like what ifs, I, like what if he didn't do that? Like I understand the opportunity that was in front of him, chance to be a two division champion, and all that. But I mean, he just got the boots put to him in that fight, like real bad. And he just was never the same after. So a guy that, and I'm not saying, but, but he's had some amazing memories, amazing fights. Guy also fought for a really, really, really long time. And just a guy just accumulated a lot of damage over his career, but he was also part of just some amazing fights. The, the Robbie Lawler fight is just incredible. And even Robbie Lawler said that that one means more to him than any other fight he's had in his career. Just the, 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 the crowd, everything surrounding that fight. Uh, and Roy just, had a, Roy just had a great career. Might have went out a little bit too long, and he made some good money down the stretch. PFL was paying him really well. Bellator paid him pretty well. He was a champion over there. Got to become the world champ. Um. Interested to see the MMA hour tomorrow because he's going to be on with Ariel and, and and good on him. I think I think we kind of saw the writing on the wall after that fight on Saturday. And but what a career that guy had and second best Canadian fighter of all time. And then Aaron Jeffrey, a guy who is starting to really put it put it together. I think there's a lot of pressure on him, you know, with the contender series and 
trying to get that UFC call. And I think once Bellator just gave him that opportunity and signed him to a deal and the pressure just kind of came off of him. Didn't have to really get that, get over the hump fight because he just got signed out right by Bellator. And now that pressure is off of him. He's got a home in Bellator. I, I, as soon as he stepped in to fight Vanderford, I had a really good feeling he was going to go out there and win. I didn't think he'd go out and knock Austin out in the first round like that, but guy's going to be tough. He's going to be a tough out at 185. Tons of talent between the ears has always been his biggest issue. And it seems like a lot of that is maybe a thing of the past here. So I'm curious to see how, how Bellator will match make for him next. They should give him someone pretty high up in my opinion, but that was a great performance and happy trails to Rory McDonald. What a career that guy had. Let's go to Torino. Torino, you there? Let's make sure you're on mute, buddy. All right, Torino, try again. I mean, I've had salads before, but I've never spoken to an epic salad. Let's break that streak. Hello, epic salad. Just got to unmute. Oh, uh, can you hear me? Oh, wait a minute. I got you. Yep. All right. So I had two questions for you. Um, let me just say, first of all, I'm a big fan of the show. Um, but Thank you. my first question is, what do you think of Tony Ferguson moving to Jackson Wink? And do you think that will change that will help him? Or do you think he's just a shell of himself and will will stay the same? And my second question is, um, what do you think about the uh, Bellator title fight between Patricky Pitbull and uh, Usman Nurmagomedov, and who do you think is going to win that fight? Thanks, buddy. Um, the Ferguson to Jackson Wink thing is great. I don't know if that. I don't know if this means like he's going to be a Jackson Wink fighter for the foreseeable future, or if he's just kind of cross training and that's just a stop along the way. But that's a big thing that Tony's been missing for a while. Is just getting with the team, getting with coaches, getting with teammates where you can get consistent work. He was bouncing around, you know, 10th Planet, Eddie Bravo, Freddie Roach, never really planted a flag anywhere. At least he has for the last few years. So I think getting some different looks, working with different people, working with different coaches. I mean, the guy now gets to train with Aaron Pico on pretty much a daily basis. There's, there's worse guys to get rounds in with on the practice mats. That's for damn sure. Brandon Gibson's a great coach. I'm sure he's going to be working with Brandon a lot. You know, Jackson's got great game plans. One of the best minds in the industry. Winkle John. I mean, there's worse places he could be. So we'll see what that translates to. It's kind of early to see if how that's going to translate until he actually gets in there and fights somebody. But let's not forget, he won the first round against Michael Chandler before he got brutally KO'd. And we saw like little glimpses of the Tony that was on that long winning streak for a while. So I think this is good for him. I think it's really good for him. And yeah. And then Patricky versus Usman or Magomedov. Usman to me, Usman or Magomedov is one of the best prospects in the sport. He might even be the best prospect in the sport right now. He's in the top three. Mahayev, him, Bo Nickel, at least to me, are you could mix and match those three guys. 
Those guys are spectacular. Uh, and I think Usman's going to beat him. I think Usman's going to beat him. I think he's going to finish him within the first two rounds. I'm just that high on that guy. He's just so talented. A lot of people feel like maybe this is too soon. I don't. I don't. He's that good. And I'm intrigued by that one. But I'm picking Usman to win. Let's go to James. Hello, James. Hey, good morning, Mike. How are you? Oh, been better. I think you gave me the COVID bug. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's my second time going through it. It's really not as bad the second time around. But um, I was wondering with Aldo, as long as he just wins and Sean O'Malley loses, do you think they'll finally give Aldo another title shot at 135? And uh, I feel like you and I have the same distaste for Henry Cejudo. So what's more annoying to you, Hear, hearing uh, Cejudo say he's going to come back or hearing Usman say he's going to box Canelo? Uh, thank you, Mike, for all you do, and uh, have a heck of a morning. Man, that's a that's a that's an evil question. But the answer is Usman Canelo by far. But Cejudo keeps keep continuously saying he's coming back and then not coming back. That is frustrating. But I'm giving, I'm giving Cejudo the benefit of the doubt here. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm feeling better. I'm going to try to be more positive with this whole situation. The man saying things, saying he's not impressed, trying to break down Marlon Vera, go fight him. Just go fight him before the end of the year. Just go fight the man, please. I would love to see that fight. It makes perfect sense. And if Cejudo wins, he gets his title fight. That's it. Just go freaking fight him. And then Aldo should get the title shot. He should be getting the title shot right now, but that's just not the way that this all played out. Now he's going to fight Marab. And I know one of the callers earlier was asking if Marab could upset Jose Aldo. Marab's the favorite. I expect that line to be extended a little bit more. I bet it'll be like minus 140 by the time Saturday rolls around. But Marab is just a Marab's just a bad matchup for a lot of guys. But I actually think Aldo, skill for skill, matches up pretty well. His takedown defense is pretty good. Obviously, he's the better striker. I think we're going to see a lot of Aldo leg kicks in this fight. Maybe that's a dangerous move on his part because Marab can catch leg. But it's a real interesting fight. And... It's very fascinating. Like, skill for skill, it's the fight I'm looking forward to the most. The drama is obviously in the co-main event. The main event is for the title. Can Leon accomplish the dream? Can he prove a lot of people wrong? But Aldo Marab, in terms of, like, action fight, I know Ariel likes to take credit for the people's main event, and I'll give him credit for it, but the people's main event is Aldo Marab, and it's not even close. Let's go to Vinny. Vinny, are you there? Okay, I don't hear you. Try again. Christian. Christian. Do we have you? I don't hear you either. Try again. We'll get you in. Emilio. Emilio, are you there? Yes. Yes, Mr. Mark. It's good to get to hear your voice once again. I'm happy to hear also that you 
have made it past the rough COVID uh, part. Because COVID, uh, yeah, it sucks. And I'm happy that you're. It does. I'm happy that you're enjoying that Dunkin' Donuts uh, iced coffee, man. I uh, let's go. I respect that. That's uh, that's that's a great drink. <laughs> or at least it, it sounds it sounds uh, like it. Uh, maybe maybe you should get Dunkin' Donuts to sponsor the podcast because you're making a hell of a hell of a promotion for them. Let's go. Um, so uh, I've been kind of hearing in and hearing out a little bit so i'm not entirely sure if this was already discussed or not probably but i'm just gonna give it a go um i saw the mma the mma hour with ariel yesterday and i um, i got to see the announcement that shane burgos made about him joining the pfl and i think that was i think that's that's great. I mean, I'm I'm very happy for the guy. He seemed pretty convinced about his decision, and uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just all I want to say is that I give him props for making that choice because you gotta follow you gotta follow the money, and you know, even though even though I don't know exactly how much he was paid by the UFC and his you know his latest contract. Um, I think that there might be a bit of a a bit of a trend, or he might have kind of started a trend, or at least there's a possibility that he did that in the sense that he's setting a trend for maybe fighters that are still in their prime, going out there and testing free agency. Um, and I think that. I mean, I'm looking at way into the future, into my crystal ball, but maybe that would also lead to the UFC get, like paying their fighters more. I don't know, but obviously if the competition starts attracting more attractive fighters and are way more exciting fighters, younger fighters that are not just going there to live out the twilight of their careers and get a big paycheck... Uh, I don't know. I think that has the potential to way down the line, maybe, um, maybe be good for the UFC because at the end of the day, the UFC has um, it's it, it's a monopoly. Um, you know that's why so many people nowadays still, when they talk about MMA or when they say uh, UFC, they're actually talking about MMA. So um, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, um, and that's it. Uh, thank you so much for what you do. Uh, sending you uh, good vibes and have a heck of a morning, Mike. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, it was a great move for Shane. He he said that from pretty much Jump Street that him not testing the market and seeing what his value is would be sort of just wrong for his family, and he was right. PFL comes in with a with a big deal and. Shane's going to get to do all the things he wants. He gets shot at the million, gets to have the chance to become a world champion. He gets to commentate, which I think is great because he's awesome at that stuff. I always want to get Burgos on BTL or on preview shows and stuff like that, but he's always so busy. But uh, he's, he's great in that role. Spectacular. So now he gets to do that. He's going to make some more money. He's got a chance to win the million and a really good chance to win the million. And what I'm – really interested in is like how will 
fighting for the PFL change the way he fights? Will he be that same guy who's just a sort of getter, get got type of fighter who's just looking for, I mean, he wants performances of the nights, but he always finds himself in these incredible wars. Now that he's got sort of a tournament structure to play with, will that change the way he fights? Will he fight a little more cautious? I mean, I don't think, I don't know how cautious a guy like Shane can get, but maybe his approach changes a little bit knowing that, okay, I have a fight here, but I know like two to three months down the line or even less, I'm definitely fighting again. So maybe I'll wrestle a little bit more. Maybe I'll go for more takedowns. Maybe I'll just not get in these absolute crazy battles and crazy wars every single fight. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen that the UFC is going to be like, oh, no, we lost Shane Burgos. We have to start paying our fighters more. No, they're not going to change a damn thing. They're just going to say, okay, we like you, Shane, but on to the next one. That's just the way that it is. And if you're a fighter that's testing the market, like, for the, like unless you just want to be with the UFC forever, it's just like, I have to be with the UFC. If I'm not a UFC fighter, I'm nobody. Like, if, if I would not, if you have one fight left in your deal, and the UFC gives you the option to resign. Why would you do that? Just bet on yourself. Go out there, get a win, test the market, and see what you're worth. And if I'm if I'm fighters kind of in in Shane's boat, where I'm a fringe top fifteen guy, people like me, people enjoy watching me fight. I think you're crazy not to look at the PFL because Shane Shane has a good chance of winning that whole tournament next year. Especially if you're like if you're a heavyweight that's on the tail end of a UFC deal and you're like a decent hand, you have to look at the PFL. You have to look at the PFL. Now, the PFL is providing opportunity for fighters, and I get that. But boy, oh boy, do they have a lot of work to do in terms of even coming close to catching the UFC. Or even like, they keep touting that they're the number two promotion. I don't think they are. They make so many mistakes. This tournament, like this tournament, moving the playoffs overseas was just a thing of dumbness. And now guys who were favorites to win the million can't get visas now because they've changed this to go international. It's just dumb. And it screws a lot of the fighters over. It's just dumb. They make really bad decisions. I don't know how this pay-per-view model is going to work. Who knows? But if you're a fighter... You have to look at the PFL. You have to because of the money and the opportunity that it provides, even though their business practices are not great. But we'll see. Good for Shane. I, I hit him up yesterday, told him congratulations, and good for him. Vinny, are you there? Yes, sir. Finally able to join you. How are you doing, Mike? Here we heck go. Of a mor- good. Heck of a morning to you, too. Glad you're enjoying your coffee as well. Um, Thanks, buddy. Just wanted to say um, that um, I'm with you as far as Usman uh, winning winning this weekend. But why are the odds so bad, or why is everybody picking against him? Uh, everybody's taking, everybody's saying Edwards. And is it because they're fighting in Salt Lake City? I mean, is that one of the things? I don't know. I I'm just curious about that. And the other thing I wanted to 
uh, comment was about the uh, fight um, last weekend on Yasmin against that fight against the Brazilian girl. What a fight. Let me tell you, that was the best girl fight I've ever seen in a while. Yep. Great fight. Yasmin Haraguay is going to be – Haragi, excuse me. Uh, she's going to be a problem at 115. The battle of the Yasmin's delivered in a big way. It was a great fight. I went back and watched it again this morning. It's just, it's just so fun. But Haragi is going to be somebody to watch. And they, they both are. They both are. It was a, it was a fantastic fight. Um, yeah, it's, the approach to this fight between Usman and Leon has just been really interesting. Just been real interesting. A lot of people giving Leon the rub here. I feel. I just feel like Usman's. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just. I know we had one caller mentioned it before. <clears throat> excuse me. That maybe it's just Usman's looking past him a little too much, and people are seeing that. But Usman's done this like a lot lately. He did it heading into the Colby fight too, talking about Canelo and all that craziness. But I don't know. Usman's been like near unbeatable. I mean, he's been he's been unbeatable since he's been in the UFC. Colby's given him a couple of tough fights, but other than that, he's just he's dominated everybody he's fought. But I don't know, maybe maybe people seeing things that I that I'm not. But I just maybe Leon could get it done. Maybe there is something to this overlooked thing, but I don't think Usman's like. Oh, truly overlooking him. I just think he gets asked questions based on things that he said in the past, and I think he's just answering them. But I think Usman's going to win. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Let's go to Allen. Allen, are you there? Make sure you unmute. All right, let's try. Uh, let's go to Kefe. He's been waiting for a while. Kefe. Yo, heck of a morning, Mike. So, hello still here, still talking about Cheeto Vera. It, I, if he wants to take time off and wait for the Sean Piotr Jan winner, I really want Aldo to beat Marab. However, I don't think that's likely. If Marab wins, that's who Henry Cejudo has to fight. He has to go fight Marab while everybody else gets to wait. Heck of a morning. Happy birthday, AK. That's interesting. That's interesting. I don't know how much Cejudo is going to want that fight, but like I think... I think Vera is probably, and, and I'm not saying this disrespectfully at all, because uh, what Marlon has done lately has been, it's just been incredible. But I think the most winnable fight with a guy with a lot of momentum right now for Cejudo is Cheeto. The risk reward is there. I don't think the re- risk reward is necessarily there for, for Marab, but I would, I mean, that's fine too. But I feel like Cheeto is is an option for Cejudo. I really do. And I'd like to see it. Let's go to Alan. Let's see if we can get him in here. Alan, are you there? Unmute. 
There we go. Yeah. Are you there, Alan? Yeah, I am. What's up, buddy? I think uh, Rocky Edwards is going to rock tall, Usman, all over. All right. Why do you think that? Because I've just, I know I've been watching Rocky for years, and that's what I think. Well, we will we will see on Saturday, my man. See another another pick for Leon. This has been very interesting. Let's go to rips and picks. What's up, Mike? How you doing? Good. Hey, you know me. I'll I'll keep it short as always. Uh, everyone always talks about fighter pay and everything in the UFC, but honestly, I think I think what Burgos is doing that's going to be the one thing that would probably solve fighter pay. Uh, the more fighters that are willing to go to Bellator or you know go to these other organizations that are going to pay more. That's probably the, the only thing that would probably force the UFC to up their money and everything is, is if other fighters start leaving. Um, just curious, because I'm, I'm sure you probably hear a lot of stuff about fighter pay, but do you think just these other organizations, Shane Burgos, you know, signing with PFL, do, do you think that would probably be one of the bigger game changers in fighter pay? No. No, I don't think so. Because... We've, they've had fighters leave before. They had Rory leave when he was in a good spot. I know he, he lost a Wonder Boy on the way out. Uh, Gegard was on a great run when he left to sign with Bellator. Benson Henderson left to sign with Bellator. I don't think this changes anything. Now, let's just say, like, they need, they need a star to leave. They need, like, Mazadal to leave or... Adesanya or somebody like that. Like if one of those guys leaves and goes to PFL, goes to Bellator and makes an actual huge dent and an impact, maybe, but they have like, they just have so many guys. Like Burgos is great. I like Shane Burgos a lot. Good fighter, but a guy who's probably not going to be fighting for a title at all in the UFC. He's just—he's an exciting fighter, and the way they looked at it, they look at it in a way is, hey, maybe we lose Shane Burgos, but look what we just—look ha- what just happened on Saturday in the same division. We had Nate Landwehr just have this absolute war, and then he cut this incredible promo, and now he's got momentum. And David Onama and a lot of other guys at 145. I don't think Burgos leaving the UFC is going to change anything. Like I don't. It's not going to change a thing. They're just going to be like, okay, next man up. They're just going to keep signing contender series guys at 10 and 10. And hopefully a couple of those guys hit. Maybe if a big star leaves, I mean, Nate's leaving, but if Nate goes to to PFL or Bellator, which I don't think he will, maybe it's going to take somebody like that. Connor, Mazadal, Izzy, one of the big names, Francis Ngannou. It's going to take one of these massive names these like, I'm not going to say irreplaceable, but close to it. Because even if they lose like some of their big stars, like they have, they have others. Like if Shamayev left and signed with Bellator, that's different. Colby, that's different. Guys with big names, buzz, main eventers. Losing Pettis and Rory and Benson Henderson and even Shane Burgos all the respect I have in the world for Shane Burgos, it's not going to make a difference because they'll just sign five guys off the contender series tonight. And that's it. 
So unfortunately, it's not going to make any any difference in that end. We're going at, we're going some overtime here. Christian, how are you? All right, try again, Christian. We're going to get people who who have not jumped in already. For, we're going to get the first timers here. Let's go to Swap. Hello, Swap. How are you? Um, I just have a question about Arman Sarukian. Um, when I saw him first time with Makashev, I was just turned after that performance. Since then, I have been supporting him, rooting for him. But lately, I have noticed that he is not focusing on that what he is very good at, which is wrestling, like Khabib and Islam. Um, you could better at things you are better at. Um, you can't be careless about your resume. Yes, he has become a phenomenal striker, and I want him to become that dominant champion in the future, not just another champion. So uh, do you think he must focus and use his wrestling? I mean, um, I mean, must focus on wrestling more instead of striking in the octagon? Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Um, I mean, I... I... Arman Sarukyan is going to be a UFC champion. 100%. The matchup with Gamrot was a tough one because Gamrot could wrestle his ass off too. So you saw him strike a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah, I, I get that. And, I, and, and same kind of with Usman too. Like Usman's in winning with the striking, hasn't really needed the wrestling. It's in his back pocket. So, yeah, I mean, Sarukyan will probably go back more to wrestling, but Gamrot was just such a... Gamrot's so good with his wrestling. He was able to create a lot of scrambles with Sarukian, and it was his first five-round fight in the UFC, and Gamrot's had a million five-round fights in KSW and stuff like that, so what a learning experience that fight will, will be for Sarukian. Hasn't changed the way I feel about him at all, and as a matter of fact, I've watched that fight probably more than any fight this year, and I've scored it for Sarukian every single time. Every single fight, every single time I watch it, I feel like Sarukian won that one. He didn't. It was one of the best fights of the year. It'll be on my top five unless something insane happens. But I can't wait to see what's next for Sarukian, who he should fight. And Gregor Gillespie would be a, a tremendous matchup. I don't know if it ever gets put together, but Gillespie's got to fight somebody. Give me Gillespie versus Sarukian, and I will be a happy, happy man. Christian, are you yeah. there? Can you hear me? I okay, gotcha. thank you. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to say, first I want to say that, like, uh, I'm glad you're talking about the Usman-Leon thing because I've also been a little bit surprised with how how much love Leon's been getting uh, against Usman because I just think he's, like, I think Usman's, like, a freak of nature. And he's just, the, th the craziest thing is that he just, like, keeps evolving every fight, you know, as good as he already is. Um, but I, I just wanted to ask, like, um, with kind of the rise of Cheeto, you know, going from somebody that like, you know, was somebody that, you know, maybe, you know, was just kind of the guy that was fighting Sean O'Malley and just kind of like a whatever kind of fighter to like somebody that's like super, like he's a super popular now, it feels like, or he's, he's growing really quickly. And he's, he's just like super, um, to me, at least like, like, almost like, like alluring, right? Like his, his fight style, you know, on, on, on the mic, he's awesome. Um, I guess, like, my question for you is, 
you know, I'm kind of asking you to call your shot a little and and pick one kind of male fighter and one female fighter that um, that you think is going to be maybe in the next year, kind of like have one of these rises like that, where it's going to be like a fan favorite, you know, kind of pretty quickly. Um, thanks. Hmm. I think we saw two of them fight this past Saturday. Yasmin Hargi, I think, is going to become a fan favorite. I think she's already becoming a fan favorite. She was one of the big stars, if not the biggest star, on Saturday's card. So I think she could be one that the UFC could build upon for sure. Uh, and then maybe Nate Landwehr. I don't know. Like, I don't know if they're going to become like superstars, but I think both of those fighters, at least right now, are are two examples of every time they're booked for fights, we're going to react in a very positive way. Um, so yeah, I could definitely see them. Kind of get, but this sport changes so quickly. Like, remember Bobby Green? Remember the rub Bobby Green was getting? And then he fought Islam, stepped in, got the Islam fight. We're like, oh, this guy's the man. He's the best. He's a gangster. And then he went out and kind of got smushed. And we still like Bobby Green, but he doesn't have the same sort of rub that he that he had heading into the Islam fight. So it's kind of tough to say, but if we're just going on recency bias and what we've seen recently, I think Harrogy and Nate Landwehr are two pretty good, pretty good choices. Honestly, let's go to Jay. Jay, are you there? Not hearing you, Jay. Try again. Whoever, like whoever's in line now, uh, that's how we'll wrap. We've been going a really long time. That's fine. Average avenues. Hello. Yes. Okay. So I've got um, just two questions for you. Um, so I've got um, with Poirier and Chandler coming up, I'm sort of going back and forth on who to pick. I'm not a better per se. I'm just sort of leaning back and forth um, day by day, kind of. And the second one is after Figgy and Brendan Moreno sort of finish up, do you think they deserve like a like a big time documentary, like a thirty for thirty type thing? All right, cheers, mate. Yeah, I think there'll be some sort of documentary on that on that rivalry for sure. I mean, four times you could have done this four times in a row. The figgy injury kind of halted that, but yeah, I would like to see one on that. I'd like to see the ins and outs of that fight continuously being put together. I'd, I'd be very fascinated by that. So, and I can't wait to see those guys fight again. Maybe the, they'll do it on the Brazil card. I think that, I think that makes perfect sense. Be a good co-main event for whatever headlines that one. Maybe it's Amanda Nunes. Maybe it's Charles Oliveira's first title defense. If he beats his on Makachev, who knows? But I think that one happens in Brazil. And just seeing Brandon Moreno is like, the bad guy, the heel in any fight is just going to be really interesting <laughs> and really fascinating because everybody likes Brandon Moreno, but he's certainly going to get booed out of the building in Brazil. Jay. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yes. Hey, so everyone's talking about UFC with uh, Edwards and Usman, but no one's talking about overall this weekend. And there's like so many good fights. And so I wanted to ask if you had to place a bet on what would be just the most entertaining fight this week, like the back and forth or maybe an amazing finish between MVP, Mike Perry, 
Usyk versus Joshua or Usman versus Edwards? Who would you have to bet on? And my other point is, am I wrong for saying that I've been enjoying these past fight nights recently more than the pay-per-views? Like, I say, like, over the summer, I've been enjoying, like, much more of the fight nights than probably most of the pay-per-views overall throughout the whole year so far. So those are just my two points. Thanks, Mike. Have a heck of a morning. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, listen, the fight nights have... I think people enjoy the fight nights or have been enjoying them recently because like people were saying that we owe that we in particular owed like the last two cards apologies because they weren't tremendous on paper. And we sort of pointed that out. Uh, I think we're just going in to these fight nights with excitement. Yeah. We're watching people get in the cage and punch each other in the face. Like everybody likes that, but they're over delivering. The expectations are at a certain level, and we're seeing a bunch of finishes. We're seeing some crazy fights. Like, I will take – give me UFC San Diego over UFC Vegas 59 every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Like, UFC Vegas 59 had all finishes, but there, it still wasn't a great card. There are finishes, but it wasn't like a spectacular – it's not – we're not going to be talking about that card at the end of the year for, for events of the year. We're not going to. San Diego was fun. We had – couple of fight of the year contenders we had a breakout moment for cheeto vera we had it was just it was a good card it was a better card the fans make such a difference especially when they're up and they're they're all fired up but yeah i think the expectations for those fight night cards are a little bit lower and when they actually turn out to be really good i were like pleasantly surprised and that's what we've gotten the last couple of weeks and then 278 is just it's there. We get a, a really solid main card. Tyson Pedro, Harry Hunsucker, come on now. That's not a pay-per-view worthy fight. No disrespect. It's just the way that it is. And the rest of the card is like, it's very fight nighty. Daniel Da Silva, Victor Altamirano, Shanna Young, Miranda Maverick, Sean Woodson, Luis Saldana, Leo Santos, Jared Gordon, Wu Yanan, Lucy Pudilova, Amir Albazi, Francisco Figueredo, AJ Fletcher, Ange Lusa, Richie Lang, Jay Perrin. These are fight night fights. There's going to be some fun finishes and some fun scraps in there, but we're paying. I mean, we don't have to really pay for this one, but a pay per view main card with Tyson Pedro and Harry Hunsucker is not tremendous. I'm sorry. We're asking you to pay 75 bucks, and now they're adding taxes onto this. It's like nearly 80 bucks to watch a UFC pay-per-view now. And Tyson Pedro, Harry Hunsucker, I mean, and they're, the UFC is banking on Tyson Pedro to just deliver a highlight real knockout, and that's likely what's going to happen. I mean, look at the betting lines. They're suggesting that. But I get where you're coming from. But these four fights, Usman Edwards, Costa Rockhold, Aldo Morab, Romanov Tybora. It's a solid four fights slate right there. Like real good. All those fights, all those fights have stakes. All those fights have meaning. All those fights have light at the end of the tunnel for whoever wins it. And those are good. A lot of these fight night cards don't have that. It's just, oh, this is fun. Oh, these are two fighters who are like middle of the pack who are just gonna go in there and fight. There weren't I don't know. I mean, there's stakes in every fight, but there's can be clear night is day like right there for the world to see there's much bigger stakes on the pay-per-view but
but our expectations are higher for pay-per-views, especially because we're spending 80 bucks on them. So we need them to deliver. All right, we'll take two more. We got Con Diggy. The question is about the light heavyweight division. Um, we have three uh, people at the top who are matching good with each other, and to have the next title shot, who you should, uh, who you think should fight each other? Is it Yan and uh, Jamal or Ankalaif and Yan? And um, my second question is why doesn't Usman get more love than he does? Because uh, in the last couple of years, he's the most entertaining uh, champion aside from uh, Charles Oliveira. He has great finishes, but I don't think the fan base love him so much. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I think the Usman thing is just sometimes he just says things that are like, come on, man. Like the Canelo thing, just rub people the wrong way. The move to 205 kind of rubs people the wrong way when he's got a title fight at 170, like staring him in the face. Um, and he just has, he hasn't fought in a while. He was the most active champion for quite some time, but since the Colby fight, we haven't seen him. And people just, I guess, need to be reminded of, of how good he is. Like, I think he's going to beat Leon Edwards. I think he's going to, I don't, I mean, I think Leon's going to have moments, but I just, I, again, I'm really surprised how many people are backing Leon here. And I don't know. Usman's battling, not just for the title, but, He's battling to maybe get his pound-for-pound pound spot back. Like MMA Fighting Global Rankings, Volkanovski's the pound-for-pound pound guy just because he's been so active and his performances have been incredible. Usman hasn't fought in a while. We'll see what he does against Leon, but there's a lot, there's a lot at stake here for Usman, and there's a lot at stake for, for Leon too because, like I've said before, I don't think Leon's getting another title shot. This is it. He's got to do it here. So it's an interesting fight. But I just, I think Usman's going to win. All right, the AM. Take us home. Are you there? All right. Oh, and then the light heavyweight thing. I think they're going to do the rematch. Seems like all signs are pointing towards... Yuri versus Glover, maybe in December. Not done yet, but that's what's being discussed. We confirm that. That's what the UFC is angling towards. Um, and I think they'll just do Jan versus Ankoliev. I think that's the way to go. And then Jamal Hill's kind of the odd man out, but it's okay. He'll get there. Musa, are you there? Wheel is spinning. Do we have them? Okay. It's not working. NEL? Are you there? Gotcha. What's up? Yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking like, uh, you know, uh, Usman and uh leon 
So from the stat uh, being seen uh, from from past fights, uh, I think uh, you know Trevor Whitman has lost two fights, like Rose Namajunas and uh, you know uh, Justin Gagey. So I think that Leon has a chance to win this time, and uh, he's going to grab his title for sure. We shall see. Again, a lot of a lot of people back in Leon. I'm surprised, but hey, the M, are you there? That was a. Uh... That was exciting. All right. I think we've done enough. I gave you nearly two hours. It's the longest show we've ever done. So thank you all very much. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll do it again. 10 a.m. Eastern right here on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I'm going to go relax for a little while, and then I'll be back on for coverage of Dana White's Contender Series. Very excited to see who gets a contract tonight on the Contender Series. But thank you all. Appreciate all the calls. Appreciate all the insight. All your thoughts on UFC 278 and beyond. You guys are the best. Back on Thursday morning. Appreciate it very much. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, you animals. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.